Welcome to Fully Yours, a podcast about food, the sacred, and ordinary moments of extraordinary belonging. Hey, this is Christy, and together with Chloe and Eva, we make up the Fully Yours podcast team. We are three friends who had a dream in seminary that great food at the intersection of spirituality could become a field of new possibilities. Unfortunately, Chloe and Eva couldn't be with us today, but we're very excited to introduce you to a powerful and meaningful project. As you've heard from our introduction episode this season, we're focusing on the homegrown aspects of our lives, each of us digging into the soil of our environments and context to hear what's going on in our different regions of the country. Chloe on the West Coast, Eva in the middle of the country, and myself here in New England. A couple of weeks ago, I traveled to Manchester, Connecticut to sit at the table at the beautiful restaurant Bistro on Main with a phenomenal chef, Ben DeBeau, who, with another amazing industry professional, Justin Morales, saw a need arise within the hospitality industry, and they are seeking solutions through an organization called HERD, which stands for Hospitality Workers engaging each other in community, assisting each other to be whole and healthy, restoring bodies, minds, and spirits, and developing skills for peer-to-peer support. Ben is the general manager and executive chef of Bistro on Main, which is a very cool restaurant with a great mission. You should definitely check it out. Ben has also somehow figured out how to add hours to his day because he's also the co-lead pastor of Riverfront Family Church in Hartford. Though he couldn't join us for the interview, Justin Morales is an integral part of the story as well. He is the managing partner of the Marlboro Tavern in Marlboro, Connecticut, and whose experience in the industry spans over 27 years. Justin is well-traveled and has gained an education abroad that simply cannot be matched. With skills in everything from mixology and bartending to working on the line and designing menus, he is a jack of all trades in the hospitality field. So let's listen in to this fun interview and see what Ben has to say about how Herd is making a difference in the lives of all those in the restaurant industry. Welcome, Ben. Thank you so much for joining us. It's so fun to be here. Glad you're with us. So as someone who absolutely identifies as a foodie, I'm enamored by the restaurant industry, definitely romanticize it at (laughs) times. Um, And admittedly, my tenure in the hospitality industry is actually quite limited. I started out as a server in my college cafeteria. I lasted five weeks. Very nice, very nice. (laughs) And, um, And then I was a bartender and a tour guide at a local large winery. Uh, I was a dinner cook at a retreat center, and my last stint was as a barista and a shift manager at a coffee shop. Now, Ben, you've been in the industry for quite a long time. Can you tell us about your journey and how you got started, what you're up to now, and how you and Justin got connected? Sure. So right now, as you said, I'm the general manager and executive chef at Bistro on Main, a small French bistro uh, that is also a social enterprise. So we're actually owned and operated by a nonprofit, and we use this for uh, culinary jobs training, which we can talk about more. Uh, prior to this, uh, so I've been about full-time in the industry for the last 10 years. Um, before that, I was a full-time pastor. Um, but I've been cooking, my first cooking job, or my first food-related job, was age seven. I sold fruit salad. I had a little farmer's market. I'm in the middle of seven kids. 
uh, so big family. Mm-hmm. And my older brother and sister started selling bread and did really, really well, homemade bread. And then my sister, my younger sister got involved selling cinnamon rolls and made a killing. Mm-hmm. And my older brother got involved selling lemonade, frozen lemonade, just mm-hmm. like plain old lemonade, made a killing. So I decided it was my turn to get in, but everything else was taken. So I sold fruit salad. And I learned very quickly uh, the realities of both food costs and labor costs. And I was the only one of us that lost money over the summer. So I actually owed my dad money at the end of the summer. Um, and so that was my first introduction to the food industry. Um, and then started working the next summer uh, as a cook, a uh, little line cook, uh, like a uh, little hamburger stand, yeah. soft ice cream kind of place. And uh, started doing that and then worked in a commercial fish market uh, and then a grocery store deli. And so all my jobs as a kid in high school were food related. Mm-hmm. And then in college, got to kind of help pay the bill. So like you, I had spent some time in uh, food services in college um, and enjoyed that and continued to grow. And then went into full-time youth ministry right out of college, which didn't always pay that well. And so uh, cooking became my tent making, mm-hmm. kind of my, my side gig. And uh, would do some catering and pick up shifts in different restaurants, became a line cook. Uh, my first real line cook job at a high-end uh, continental restaurant. Um, and continue to do that. It was always hobby, part of ministry. As you know, you put together a lot of food, lots of people will come. Yeah. So I was a church planter, and we used food as very much a draw. Yeah. Um, was in a college town, and college students always want to eat good food, so that it worked out well. Um, and then kind of totally burned out on ministry mm-hmm. and had to make a change, and uh, wasn't really sure what I was going to do, so I decided to go to culinary school and see if I could do this for real. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at now. That's awesome. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, so I know that something that comes up in ministry a lot is vulnerability. And um, it can be tough in ministry to even address vulnerability and, and some of the hardest issues in our life, whether that's death, whether that's um, you know substance abuse, whatever that might be, that's hard for us even in ministry to address. But you've also recognized with Justin a need to address that within the restaurant industry. So I'm just curious, you know, it sounds like um, that authenticity and genuine relationships are something that's a real big need. And I know that last summer in 2018, we lost Anthony Bourdain, one of our industry greats, to suicide. And and this is not just something that happens in the news. This is something that happens on a very local level. Um, We lose a lot of folks. Um, And together, you and Justin have decided to form a coalition of industry professionals in an organization called HERD, which seeks to address some of the most common issues that arise in the hospitality industry um, and to develop friendships and to develop those relationships. HERD's mission is to help each other strive for whole health, mind, body, and spirit. So can you tell us a little bit more about HERD and what inspired you and Justin to start something like this? Sure, you know, I think the first thing that got us, it got me personally thinking about it was certainly Bourdain. And, you know, we did some uh, benefit dinner here. We uh, connected mm-hmm. with a foundation, the Jordan Portco Foundation, mm-hmm. that does some great work on college campuses around suicide prevention. And, you know, with a ministry background and having done campus ministry, youth ministry, certainly these issues are ones that we're well-versed in, too well-versed in. Mm-hmm. And, um, but what you notice in this industry is, uh, you know, it's high stress. Mm-hmm. Um, it's people who work crazy hours, uh, often on their feet, so their body takes a beating. Um, so there's some becomes like a self-medicating mm-hmm. process to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of attracts a unique crowd. There's something about the food service industry that 
lots of people kind of stop in yeah. on their journey to somewhere else. Mm. And so you have, you know, the cliche of the starving actor and the artist, but there's a lot of truth to that too. Yeah. Um, and so it's a unique group of people who are always working when other people are resting or partying or socializing, uh, which also means that they find other time to do it. So there's a lot of interesting things within the industry that I think makes people vulnerable. And what you realize is there's no way for people to talk about it. Um, you know, certainly in the kitchen, there's kind of a uh, uh, kind of a machismo that takes place where no one wants to say I'm weak, right? That I'm hurting, that I'm in a bad place. And so, uh, and as a pastor, you know, I'm looking at this and seeing there's got to be a solution. And you know, for me as a pastor, the solutions are funny. They're not. They're never programmatic. They're always relational. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you look around at some of the foundations, on them and they, they'll come up with a program. Right? I wanted to figure out a way to catalyze relationships um, because I think ultimately that's the key. Uh, and so that's kind of was the beginning of her. And, and I've been thinking about it for several months. And then there was another suicide locally. Um, and I was like, we have to do something. And uh, so I reached out to my friend Justin. Justin and I have worked together, uh, opened many restaurants, and uh, just become good friends and a lot of respect for each other. Uh, he comes at this uh, from a different angle, kind of same caring, but uh, not, not a believer at all, doesn't have kind of a faith um, you know, starting foundation, and uh, which I thought was actually good for this to have mm-hmm. us both in it together. Yeah. Um, I didn't want this to be some kind of weird bait and switch. I didn't want to, you know, a, a hidden kind of evangelism, yeah. an honest place where people could take off their masks and reveal who they were and build relationships. And Justin shares that and comes from a different kind of background, a different approach. And you know, it was funny as soon as I mentioned it to him, he was all in. Yeah. Um, and so we've started just kind of working on it together and inviting other people to be part of it, and uh, kind of a very organic movement yeah and i think that's really important too to to make it clear this is not a bait and switch you know this is this is a need that we've recognized and both you and justin are coming out of very different places and that's beautiful i think the sort of interfaith partnership or the non-faith partnership with other folks is exactly what we need so this is this is incredible work within the mission of herd you say that you're looking at mind, body, and spirit. So what are some of the things that you have planned with her to sort of address mind, body, and spirit and the holistic health of the person? Sure. It's, you know, the whole idea is to help people uh, just become real in relationships. So the mind part is, you know, we've been doing this, just having some talks and bringing some ideas and some discussion and some connection. Um, and all, again, it's about relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, body is as much an issue of, in terms of the way we beat up our bodies, mm-hmm. substances, way we misuse food. I mean, we're surrounded by food. So trying to eat healthy and be healthy and let food be thy medicine is a real challenge in this industry, Um, ironically, right? Because we're all surrounded by great food and using the skills to produce it. And so at some point, we'll talk more about that. In December, we're planning a little workout session, like at (laughs) uh, an Orange Theory nearby and uh, do some hikes and some other social stuff mm-hmm. so that people at least think about how we're caring for our bodies. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of the spirit, however people want to define that for themselves, mm-hmm. we know that the spiritual component is critical. Um, and so how one thinks about themselves and how they relate to the rest of the world and, and what's bigger and greater than them, mm-hmm. you know, whether they end up identifying in terms of Christianity and traditional religion, that's one thing. But the, everyone is a spiritual being um, regardless of where they kind of fall on a very broad spectrum. Absolutely. And can you tell us how a typical meeting is run? So we've only had about three meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I think we have our third one coming up, so we only had two. Yes. <laughs> so typical might be an overstatement. Yeah. But what we've tried to do is, in every meeting, um, do some things that catalyze people connecting with each other, uh, make sure that we laugh mm-hmm. and have some fun, mm-hmm. 
and then um, talk about some real issues in a way that hopefully challenges people uh, to be real and to be able to acknowledge. You know, I always say that we want to address the tension. Um, and too often, I think we dance around the tension. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so we go head on with it. And so let's talk about the hard issues. But let's also do so with some laughter and some, with some fun. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, if people leave kind of having met someone they'd never met before or a little bit more trust or the ability to pick up a phone and make a call or send a text, then we've definitely won. Yeah. Um, so that's really the goal. And what have you witnessed over the past few months in terms of not only the in-person interactions that folks have, but also the online movement. The, your Facebook page is kind of blowing up. So. Yeah, so we've been yeah. using Facebook and social media. And you know, the reality is that neither Justin or I have really the time to become people's personal counselors. That's not really our interest. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you want to come to my church, that's fine, I'll do that. But <laughs> that's not kind of what you know we're trying to do. So we've been careful uh, not to overpromise this. Right? This isn't a self-help group. This is a peer-to-peer group, yeah. and, and that's very different. Um, and so I've been excited to see each time we meet people become more open mm-hmm. and sharing. I'll be honest with you. I didn't really know how this was going to go. So from a ministry <laughs> perspective, you gather people together. Yeah. You have them talking. I mean, we do small groups. We do discussion groups. It's kind of natural in the church. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so people come ready to share and kind of knowing mm-hmm. that's the expectation. And there's, there's already a culture around it, right, yeah. that affirms yeah. that kind of stuff. In any work, work industry, particularly the food industry, there's none of that expectation. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't really know how people would come to it. But I've been uh, blown away by how open people are and really how desiring they are to share and to listen and to understand. And it makes me realize those are really universal needs mm-hmm. and uh, universal things that people have. And so people have been really great sharing online, sharing in the meeting. You know, we had one guy uh, who the only time I met him was at the last herd meeting who showed up at the bar here at the restaurant, texted and said, hey, are you there? Can I come talk to you? Mm-hmm. And just having some issues, some personal issues that we kind of scratched on yeah. at the last meeting. And mm-hmm. was like, I had no one else to talk to. Yeah. You seem like a good person. Mm-hmm. And so we spent about an hour after the restaurant closed, just mm-hmm. kind of sitting at the bar mm-hmm. and, uh, and talking. And I don't know if we solved anything, but the fact that he had a place to reach out, mm-hmm. a place to talk, and a place to be like, okay, I've taken a step. I think it was pretty powerful. Yeah. And I've heard other stories of that kind of thing happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, peer-to-peer, which is really powerful. Absolutely. And in my experience, in the, my limited experience in the restaurant industry, um, those relationships really, you hold on to those. I have a couple of friends who moved to Florida uh, after we all left the winery. We sort of all left in a pack. Um, <laughs> but they moved to Florida, and I'm going down to see them in about a month. So... It's just one of those things like you recognize that you go through shit and like you're right. you're together in it and that's completely um, it's a way to sort of immerse yourself in a second family in a Absolutely. Way. Well you spend a ton of time together. Yeah. And you know, a busy Saturday night, yeah, right, it feels like a war zone. Yeah. Right. So you've all kind of survived this, right? Yeah. There's an adrenaline rush yeah. and you've survived it together. I would say it's like survive in advance. Like yeah. we just want to make it to yeah. the next Saturday. Yeah. Um, but when you go through that week after week you really do form uh, a lot of trust for each other mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean vulnerability yet yes right yes. and so it's amazing we can have each other's back we can be burning next to each other like literally burning ourselves yeah. next to each other yeah. we can do it all on a saturday night and get in the weeds um but we never ask how each other's kids are yeah. right or yeah. how, you know dig any deeper into someone's personal life or know what's going on you know and that's been struck me in this industry all the time mm-hmm. you know when i was an executive chef up in uh, massachusetts for a while i was working at a restaurant where Everyone in the line 
uh, was an immigrant, everyone on the line, Spanish was first language, um, had come here, and they all had a story. But unless you really asked and probed, you wouldn't know their story. And so, you know, one who has the dying grandmother back in Guatemala Mm -hmm. is sending money back to, you know, the other's trying to get the rest of his family back out, or, you know, all these amazing stories that if you don't intentionally try to connect with, you would dismiss. So we can be buddy-buddy on the line and work hard and sweat and burn and, and, you know, sweat and tears and all that stuff. Um, But it's got to go a little deeper, too. Absolutely. And I think, too, sometimes that family is born out of the shift drinks after Mm -hmm. work. Um, And that family is born through communal self-medication. Right. Um, So it's not, you know, it can be a very dysfunctional family. Yes. Right. So family, yes, but not always the best and healthiest approach. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's what makes this different is that you're intentionally calling people out and saying, like, we need to get a little bit deeper, maybe without the alcohol and like create a more authentic, genuine uh, environment for folks to share. And you know, and for people who are used to not opening up until they have a couple drinks, that's hard. Yeah. Um, and again, we don't judge anything else, but yeah. we want to just carve out a space yeah. uh, that's just a little bit different. Sure. Uh, and I've been um, really pleased with how it's been going so far. Good. Yeah, I've I've been to the first two meetings, um, and I've I've really really enjoyed it. Um, just to sort of witness everything that's going on, name what's going on. I think that's really important yeah. is to name it and call it out, but then also to witness the transformation of folks. Last last meeting was actually really powerful because you could tell, so Ben shared three ways to fuck up your life. Um, and you could tell that like folks were really taking it in and yeah. like sitting there and just sort of reflecting on their lives and the ways in which you know, sometimes things go bad, but we're there for each other, and we yeah. have opportunities to, to be in community. Yeah. yeah. Can you share with us the three ways to fuck up your life? Sure. So the three things I talked about is uh, the first one uh, was confusing intention with destination, mm-hmm. right? And I think we do that all the time, right? So I, I intend to do this in my life. I intend to, to better myself. I intend to stop using. I intend to lose weight. I intend, mm-hmm. right? But really, it's direction that determines destination, not intention. Right, and so I just talked about that idea: is that the direction we're going is it is the destination we'll end at, yeah. regardless of what our intention is. Yeah. Um, so good intentions aren't enough, um, and, and that's a surprisingly powerful one for people mm-hmm. because it resonates instantly is true, but it's harder to to break that cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the second thing we talked about: the importance of uh, vulnerability and taking off masks. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and I, I use the image of uh, you know we all have closets, mm-hmm. um, and so for me, uh, I'm gay and I came out of the closet pretty late in life at 35 and mm-hmm. caused kind of a turmoil part of why I left ministry and became a chef and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff but I also realized that the secretness of the closet is deadly mm-hmm. um, our secrets will kill us yeah. right and the importance of embracing vulnerability and authenticity and, and that's almost become a spiritual discipline in my life yeah. since coming out yeah. and so and I've seen how important it is to other people but it's not always about sexual orientation, right? We all have closets. Yeah. Uh, we all kind of live behind masks. And if we can risk enough to take off our masks, to step out of the closet, uh, that's where healing can start to take place. That's where trust begins to happen and ultimately transformation. Uh, and so that was the second. So the third thing we talked about yes. was the importance of understanding uh, that our stories um, ultimately are comedies, not tragedies, mm. right? And, you know, if you remember back to like freshman English, uh, what's the difference between comedy and tragedy? It's not really all the details and all the conflict and tension. That's always there. Mm-hmm. It's the ending. 
yeah. right? Tragedies end badly, comedies end well. Mm-hmm. And that uh, ultimately, I believe, our, our stories are going to end well mm-hmm. and that we can write better stories. Yeah. And, you know, it's not about the avoidance of conflict or tension. That's what makes a great story. Yeah. It's about the resolution of those things. Yeah. Um, and that we actually have some control mm-hmm. uh, over how we write our stories. So how do we write better stories for ourselves? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's beautiful. And I know that... Um, being in ministry, it can be tough to remember uh, a lot of these, a lot of these situations, a lot of the, you know, we have to be real with our congregation. We, we can't just put on masks. Um, we have to remember that in the midst of, in particular in the United Methodist Church, we're going through a lot of conflict. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to tell if that's going to be a tragedy or if it's going to be a comedy. Um I think it will be what it will be. And then resurrection is on the other side. Right. So like there's certainly other other ways that we can apply this in our different industries. And the fact that you're able to apply this to the restaurant industry is just phenomenal. Um, so I'm just, I'm, I'm really, really stoked that this is something that you guys have, have invested in. And, and for you, I'm sure that your work as a pastor has influenced your calling toward the work of H.E.R.D. So where... Where are you seeing those intersections of the church and the restaurant industry? You know, to me, ministry is always incarnational. Uh, mm-hmm. right? It always starts with the embodiment of grace mm-hmm. uh, and of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And um, that where we go, Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so ministry is never about the four walls of the church. Right? It's never, uh, it's not about going to church, it's about being church. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, and I know that can be cliche, but it's true. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for me, it all goes back to my early training in youth ministry. Uh, I spent five years working with an organization Young Life. Mm-hmm. And uh, our whole approach is relational and incarnational. So, like, yeah. spend hours hanging out at kids' soccer games and yeah. going to their plays yeah. and, um, you know, sitting around drinking coffee at Starbucks with them and just listening yeah. And, yeah. and being present. And to me, you know, as much as ministry happens up front in the pulpit and Sunday preaching and, and programs and Sunday school, and it's really the relational stuff, mm-hmm. right? And as a pastor, if I can catalyze those relationships in my congregation, um, that's even more powerful, right? As opposed to me being the center spoke of the wheel, right? Can we get outside of a wheel metaphor to more of a, a web, yeah. you know? And can I free people's spiritual gifts up mm-hmm. to actually minister to each other and really embrace the reality of the priesthood of all believers yeah um but that's kind of universally true too there's truth in that that really applies here and so uh my ministry has always been intensely incarnational and relational Mm -hmm. so wherever i am yeah um and so being here in a restaurant setting i'm going to do the same things that i would do anywhere else yeah um and i think that's really what the call of discipleship Mm -hmm. is right to incarnate jesus to people who may or may not know him yeah um but as I like to say, you know, everyone's better off with a little bit of Jesus. Like, you know, this isn't yeah. about evangelism. This is about, like, the basics of life. Yeah. Like, life is better with Jesus, mm-hmm. um, regardless of what you believe. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So what what you're talking about reminds me of an author, Andrew Root. Have okay. you heard of I'm not, him? I'm not familiar. Okay. So he does relational youth ministry. Okay. And he's written oodles and oodles of books about it. So yep. I'll send you some links. Yeah, He's totally. That'd be great. Phenomenal. Right. So like when you say incarnational and relational, I'm like, oh, I'm so right there. Yep. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so as we begin to close, I just recognize the work that you're doing is so important. Um, I've had friends who have gone through a lot of rough stuff when it mm-hmm. comes to the restaurant industry. And 
what you're doing is saving lives. Um, this sort of work is so, so important. So I'm, I'm just wondering if, if our listeners are interested in learning more, uh, how can they get more involved either here with HERD in New England or elsewhere? So the best bet is to connect with us on our Facebook page, mm -hmm. uh, which is HERD Hartford. Um, and so you can find it there. Uh, you can also email me, mm -hmm. uh, ben at bistro-on-main.com. Mm -hmm. And um, we would love to see this become viral mm -hmm. and have other people start herds in other areas mm -hmm. um, because it's low organization. I mean, Justin and I aren't trying to create bureaucracy, right? We just want to free people up to do yeah. this yeah. and be happy to help people think through how to do it in other areas and other places. Um, keep it very low-key and organic, but uh, we'd be happy to talk to people about that. Um, but definitely connect with us on social media. Yeah. Um, if you're in the area, come and check out a meeting. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, let's connect and see what happens. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, the work you're doing, again, is just phenomenal. I'm so thankful for your engagement with difficult topics and the willingness to just dive right in and, and create a place for folks to be real with themselves and with one another. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. Absolutely. If you'd like to learn more about HERD, as you heard, uh, you can go on their Facebook page at facebook.com slash HERD Hartford. Bistro on Main can be found at www.bistro-on-main.com. And the Marlboro Tavern can be found at marlborotavernct.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for joining us at the table. We would love to hear from you. Let us know what you think by leaving a rating on iTunes, or if you have show ideas, comments, or just want to reach us directly, send us an email at fully.yours.podcast at gmail.com. For today's show notes, our blog, and more, be sure to check us out at fullyyourspodcast.com. Huge thanks to Steve Dry and Catalyst of Harvard Epworth United Methodist Church, based in Cambridge, Massachusetts, for their generous grant funding of this podcast. Shout out to the talented Joel Adams and Melody Stanford Martin for producing the original song featured in this podcast. Also to Melody for our gorgeous logo design and to our dream team for keeping us grounded and inspired. Until next time, we are fully yours.